Well, good morning. So, so glad to be with you today. As Aaron mentioned, my name's Bo. I'm from Mason City, Iowa, Rhythm Church, and we've been um, supporting you guys. And I kind of keep keep up with you through social media routes. And I love love what you're doing. I tell you, you guys are so lucky to have Aaron and his family. Um, it's awesome. I kind of got to know him a little bit um, before. Riverwood started. So, um, man, it's been, it's been awesome to see what God is doing here, here in Waverly. Um, well, I've been given the task of completing your Advent series, Do Christmas Different. And uh, over the last few weeks, you've been kind of looking at different ideas about how to do, do Christmas differently. And the kind of the big idea today is love all. Love all. And uh, man, isn't it, there's a lot of love in the air this time of year, right? Um, you think about giving gifts, there's, you know, quality time with family. But if only that were the case, I think honestly, if we really evaluate um, this season, maybe for some of us, uh, it can become a little complicated too. It's not all lovey-dovey all the time. Um, I know for me, like the older I get, the more kids I have, Christmas just seems to get more complicated, you know, and I don't know how, how it is in your, your house, but there may be a, a family member that comes and spends time in your home that you may not look forward to as much, or, um, you know, I know especially this time of year for guys, it gets really complicated because our wives lie to us this time of year. Um, f- for example, I know that I asked my wife, hey, what do you want for Christmas? And she's like, oh, nothing, you know, and... Um, <laughs> So I asked, you know, really, like, what do you, what do you want, what do you want for Christmas? And she's like, oh, don't worry about it, you know, don't spend any money on me. But I'm just telling you, woe to the man that wakes up <laughs> on Christmas morning without a gift for their wife, right? I mean, Christmas can, can become, become complicated. And the pressure that our culture puts on, on buying gifts, I mean, think about that idea. You're supposed to surprise somebody with exactly what they want. I mean, that's just, it's just crazy, you know. Um, but Christmas can become, become somewhat what, complicated, and it's easy to, to kind of miss um, what Christmas is really about. It's really this, this moment when a love story began. Um, so, so long ago. Um, I know that, you know, for Abby and I, Christmas became complicated uh, right away. Our first Christmas, we, we're both from Texas, and so we drive there every year. And uh, I remember our first Christmas going back. Our parents live in the same town. Um, so it became very complicated very quickly about, you know, spending equal time in equal place. Because if you don't spend exactly like to the minute equal time, somebody gets offended, and, and then you get upset because they're upset, and it's like, you didn't do it on purpose, you know. So Christmas can become so compli- complicated. Um, and I can't change your complicated schedules or complicated family dynamics. But one thing I really want to do today is make sure that the message of Christmas is crystal clear. And I want to make sure that we get to, the, to that, that big idea of what it really means to love all. And um, we're going to do that by looking at the heart of the biblical Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there to Luke chapter 2 is where we'll be. And if you've You've heard this before. You'll have to remember back with me. You know, there's shepherds out in the field. Um, they're tending their sheep. And all of a sudden, an angel appears to them. An angel appears to them that Christmas night. And this is where we're going to pick up the story in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 10. So if you want to follow along in your Bible, feel free to do so. I think we'll have it on the screen too. So Luke chapter 2, verse 10. It says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. 
I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now right away, I want you to notice that it says, I bring you good news. Good news. I mean, this is about to start a fantastic story, right? I mean, a story that's so good, it's going to bring great joy to all people. All people. Not just some people, all people. And I want to stop here for a second, and I just want to point something out. If, if there's anything about the message of Christianity, if there's anything about the message of Christmas that does not seem like good news, then maybe someone has distorted the message of Christianity to you. Because it is good news. If there's anything about the church that sounds like bad news, then maybe someone or maybe some church has distorted the message of Christianity to you. I mean, think about it. If, if someone were to walk in and say, hey, I've got great news. The first thing that you're going to think in your head is not, what do I have to do, right? I mean, imagine if, if I walked in after a long day of work. I walk into my living room. My wife's sitting on the couch. I walk in and say, hey, babe, guess what? I've got some great news. She's not going to immediately think, oh, my goodness, what's this going to cost me? Or, oh, my goodness, what, is, what, what do I have to do now? No, good news means that you don't have to do anything. Good news means it's going to better your life, right? And good news is, is bringing information that's only going to make your life better. Good news is saying, hey, like, the professor calls off the exam and says, hey, everybody passes, right? <laughs> I mean, good news is like, hey, everybody gets a raise or everybody gets the bonus. That is good news. Good news is you don't have to do anything. That is great, great news, so when someone comes up and says, hey, I have good news, and you don't make a list in your head thinking, oh man, this is all I've got to do, or these are all the things I have to give up. It's just not good news. And this is when the story of Jesus is beginning, right away. This is the very beginning of the story of Jesus, and the angel says, I bring you good news. The message of Jesus is 100% good news, and the message of Christmas is 100% good news. So if your feelings or your heart towards those things are not good news, then maybe someone has distorted that message for you. And I know a lot of times the message of Jesus gets, gets um, distorted because oftentimes it becomes, hey, um, you need to straighten up. Straighten up. Get your life together. Stop sinning. Stop messing up. Be a better person. That's honestly not the message of Jesus. And actually, every other major world religion says that you're justified or you're righteous based on your behavior. But Jesus says that you're righteous just because you're his kid. And that's good, good news. So you might be thinking, okay, Bo, like, I get it. Like, it's good news, but that angel came, you know, before Jesus was even born. So how do we know that the message is good news? How do we even know yet? I mean, the angel shows up and is like, hey, this is good news, but... Jesus wasn't even born, and I actually want to spend the rest of our time together answering that question, really getting at the heart of what that good news is, and really understanding this idea of, of loving all, because our God loves all. So to find the, the true message of Christmas, we're going to dive back in uh, to Scripture. It's one of the most famous writings um, in all of the New Testament, and it's found in the book of John. Um, so you can go ahead and turn there. And now you need to understand that John wrote this 
after spending personal time with Jesus. He hung out with Jesus, um, spent, spent day after day with Jesus. And I, and I love this because John pulls out of this story and kind of gives us a blurb of what this good news is that this angel talked about um, before. So we're going we're gonna to read this uh, together um, in John chapter, chapter 3. But before we do that, um, I, I kind of want to want to um, say something really quickly. I just want to say, if you choose not to become a Christian, which that's your choice, there may be some people here that are seeking, you're kind of checking things out. If you choose not to become a Christian, maybe, maybe you've had a bad experience with a Christian. You did business with a Christian, supposedly, or maybe you've had a bad experience with a church. And, and trust me, if I was in your shoes, I would probably um, be in the same boat you're in. You may be skeptical. But I say, if you do say no to Christianity, if you say no to Jesus, just so you know, this is what you're saying no to. This right here, what we're about to read, is exactly what you're saying no to. And I think once we read it, you'll have to agree that it's good news. But if you say no to Christianity and no to the message of Christmas, this is what you're saying no to right here. So John chapter 3, verse 16. We'll have this on the screen. For God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved the world, he did what in love people do. He gave. God so loved, he did something that you do when you really love somebody. He gave. I'm not sure about you, but that's really good news. That is really good news. And let me tell you kind of how, to, how a Greek person, um, the original audience would have thought when they heard this. Um, I mean, you've, you've hopefully studied Greek mythology or you kind of have some understanding of Greek mythology. Um, in that time, in the Roman world, they would not have understood the idea of a God loving a human. It just wouldn't have been, been something that they understood because their kind of motto was um, like this idea of, of the gods played and the people paid. That was kind of their idea. I mean, you've, you've studied Greek mythology. You know, if, if someone were to die, it's because the gods were angry. Or if, or if you lost in battle, it means that, you know, their god was more powerful than, than your god. And the whole idea was that a, a god would never love a human. But then here John writes this story after spending time with Jesus. And he says, the god of the universe loves you. Would have been a totally foreign idea to them. The fact that the God of the world is madly in love with them. They would have viewed that so differently than we do today. It just wouldn't have been possible. But John says, hey, yes, it is. There is a God that really does care about you. There is a God that loves you. And we could put the period right there. For God so loved the world that he gave. If it just ended right there, put the period there, that would be fantastic news. That would be incredible news. But it only gets better. So now we're invited into the story. Let's go back to, to, to verse 16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, whoever, whoever, everyone, there's no distinction. The little child that somehow understands grace to the 65-year-old woman who's, who's lived a life full of sin. It's the Greek, it's the Jew, it's the black, it's the white. It's, it's the little child, it's the old man, it's the teenage boy. It's everyone. We're all invited into the story. And when God says he loves all, he means it. 
And so for us as Christians, we have to ask ourselves, do we love all like God loves all? That everyone, do we include everyone or is there discrimination, is there bitterness, is there anger in our hearts? God loves all, we're all invited, whoever. And again, that's great news if we put a period right there. It doesn't matter if your life's messed up or not. If we were to end the story right there, we're all invited in. That is great news. But it continues to get better. Now, the message is going to get deep for a second. Um, I don't usually do this. We're going to go deep and we're going to go Greek. So if you like deep and you like Greek, this is your time, okay? If you don't like deep and you don't like Greek, then too bad. You'll just have to just to bear with me for a second. Um, this, is, this is really cool, and I hope, hope you stay with me just for the next five minutes because um, I think it'll just kind of change the way you view um, this verse that you've read so, or heard maybe so many times. Um, but what John is writing in this single statement, he's trying to summarize that good news that the angel talked about, right? Remember the angel showed up, Christmas Stein said, hey, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. So now John is writing what that good news is, okay? And so he says, for God to love the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes, believes. And that Greek word there for believes is pistuo. Kind of like pistachio, except different. Pistuo. Okay, so the Greek word is pistuo, and it means believe. So um, that word, I mean, literally translated in English is like, I believe in love, or I believe in the Minnesota Vikings, kind of, I guess. They're not that good. But anyway, so it's like I believe in something. I believe in Santa Claus or whatever. I believe in, believe. That, that's kind of the word we use. But what John does next had never been done before in the Greek language. He's going to add a preposition after pistuo, after that word believe. He's going to add a preposition that literally scholars say had never been done before in the Greek language. So that word pistuo, believe, Right after it, he includes the word eis, E-I-S, pistuo eis, and that word eis means into. So literally it's translated believe into, which doesn't really make sense, but if you were translated into English, it literally means to lean into or to trust. Now there is no Greek word for the word trust. So John literally just makes, puts these, these two words together that have never been put together before for this idea of trust. And if I had a stool up here, we looked for one, but I couldn't find one. But here's the illustration I would use. If there's a stool here, I could believe that the stool would hold me up. I could believe it. But it's something different. It's completely different to trust the stool. You see what John is getting at, he's saying for those that believe in or put all of their weight on or fully trust in Jesus. That's where he's getting at. It's totally fascinating to me. He's creating an idea that had never been, been heard of before in their language. That idea of trust, to put all of your weight onto. There's an exchange happening, changing all of your weight onto all of Jesus' weight. It's fascinating, but that's the idea he's getting at. It's saying those that, that fully lean into, put all of their weight on him, will enter into a relationship with God. And it started years ago when that angel says, here's this good news. Hey, there's good news for all people. All people. So those that move toward, lean into. So he spelled out something here. John has says, John has told us God loved so God gave, we believe, and now we're going to receive something. So let's jump back in in verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, 
Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So John's saying at a fundamental level that if you do this, you will never cease to be. And again, the original audience would have heard this differently than we do. You see, to them, to a Greek audience, this idea of, of immortality, this idea of living forever was something that they sought after. And so, like, there's, there's um, like, Julius Caesar and Nero. They, they tried to uh, achieve this divine status because they thought if they could become divine, that they would live forever. So this was an idea that they would, they would try to attain, this idea of divinity. And yet John comes along and says, hey, there is this way that you can live forever. There is a way that you can live forever. And his name is Jesus. If you believe in him. So he spells this out. He says, God gave. God loved. God gave. We believe. We receive. John's saying, hey, if you want to live forever, if you want your life to be complete, there's this man named Jesus. There's this God who came in the form of a baby. And it's good news for all people. And if somehow... You know, we don't get it or we don't understand it. Somehow this isn't making sense. I love it because John includes the next verse. If we go to, to, to verse 17, the very next verse there is, if we didn't understand it, to make it crystal clear, John says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And again, if you've ever felt condemned by a Christian, they gave you the wrong message. If you've ever felt condemned by the church, I think the church has sent you the wrong message. And it's not the church's fault. I mean, it's, it's not your fault. It's the, it's the messenger's fault. It's, it's not the message of Christianity. John, the writer of this passage, he knew Jesus. He hung out with him. He knew his heart. And he says, God didn't come to condemn. He came to save. And that's the message of Christmas. And going back to the shepherds that night, I mean, think about Think about them, the shepherds. The angel says, I bring you good news of great joy. A what was born? A savior. A savior has been born. So ultimately, the question becomes, has there ever been a time in your life in which you've made that exchange? When you've said, okay, like I'm going to go from believing to trusting taking all of my weight and putting all of my weight on Jesus. Or maybe for those of us that are, are Christians, has there ever been a moment when you realize, okay, God loves all people. And God loves me so much, he was willing to sacrifice everything. Am I willing to put all of my weight in that? In that message of love, a love for all people. That I'm willing to give up so much for others. Maybe the least of these to say God loves them just as much as he loves me and I'm willing to give up everything just as Christ has given up everything for me. There's a last kind of illustration and story I, I want to use. It kind of gets at this idea. On uh, June 30th, 1859, uh, a man by the name of Charles Blondin stood before a crowd of 100,000 people um, at Niagara Falls and uh, the great blonde, and we actually have a picture of this guy, Tightrope Walker. Um, he, he began his show by crossing um, Niagara Falls on a tightrope that was three inches in diameter. And a man of his skill, this was, this was actually somewhat 
easy, um, just going, going across. So he would, you know, go out there and actually, like, choreograph some wobbles just to kind of create the drama, right? So he'd, like, act like he's slipping and falling. But, so he'd go across Niagara Falls, and he came back. And then he addressed the crowd, and he says, okay, how many of you believe that I can go across the falls blindfolded? And of course, the crowd, as they saw how easily he did it without a blindfold, it's like, oh, sure, we believe, we believe, we believe you can do it. So to their amazement, he grabs a blindfold and wraps it around his eyes and sets off across the tightrope. So he takes off, and sure enough, he goes there and all the way back with ease. So he comes back, and he addresses the crowd again, and he says, okay, how many of you believe now I can push a wheelbarrow across the tightrope? I don't know if you've ever pushed a wheelbarrow, but it's hard to push straight on ground. So I can't imagine, like, keeping it straight on a tightrope. But so, like, sure, we believe, we believe. So sure enough, he gets the wheelbarrow, and he, and he pushes across the tightrope, and he goes all the way across and all the way back. Then he addresses the crowd one more time. He says, now, how many of you believe I can push the wheelbarrow across the tightrope with a man inside? crowd erupts, says, yes, we believe, we believe, we believe. And you may know where it's going. But then he asks the crowd, okay, who's willing to get in? And out of the 100,000 people, no one was willing to get in the wheelbarrow. You see, it's one thing to believe, it's another thing to trust. And if we believe that the God of the universe loves us enough to send his son Jesus, we should be willing to get in the wheelbarrow. And maybe some of you, you may be out there today and be like, man, you know what? I've never made that exchange. And maybe, maybe today is the day I need to get in the wheelbarrow. I need to go from, from believing to trusting. I need to make that step. It's, it's one thing to believe, and, and, and it's another thing to put all of your weight on Jesus. For others of us, maybe, maybe we are Christians. Maybe we have a relationship with Jesus. Let me ask you, can you sacrifice more? Can you sacrifice more? Husbands, can you, can you lay down your life for the sake of your spouse? Lay down your interests for a better marriage. Parents, can you be better parents by sacrificing things? Can you give more? What about the, the least of these in this community? What can we do with our, with our time, with our talents, with our gifts, with our resources? Can we give more because our God gave so much? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. So maybe for some of you, getting in the wheelbarrow is saying, okay, hey, I need to trust in Jesus for the very first time. For others of you, say, I need to trust in Jesus again. I need to, I need to think about that love today. That, that, that love that he was willing to sacrifice his son for me, and I can give more. I can give more of my time. I can give more of my resources. I can give more of me. I can lay myself down. Because my God was willing to do the same. That's the question we have to ask ourselves today. And my hope is that no matter where you're at on that spectrum, maybe if you are one of those that would say, hey, I've never trusted in Jesus. I've never placed all of my trust in him. And I want to do that today. I pray that you would. It's the best decision that you'll ever make in your life. For others of us to say, hey, you know, you're on the other side. And you say, hey, I've done that before. But man, it's, 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 I need to be reminded. I need to maybe, maybe get in that wheelbarrow again. I need to maybe just kind of recognize that love and say, man, like it's amazing. 
And that's the beauty of the gospel is it, it doesn't just save you, but it sustains you. And the more you think about Christ's love, the more that you, the more that you, you just are in awe and wonder of his beauty and his majesty. Man, it drives you. God does something in you and then he begins to do something through you. And that's my hope is that, that not just here, but in my church and, and, and Christians all across the globe would quit, quit giving out the misconceptions and that we would be people that love because our God loved us first. That we would love all and we would love all well. Um, that's my hope for us today. And I pray that you just respond, whatever that looks like. I know Aaron would love to visit with you if, if you didn't want to make that decision to say, hey, I'm going I'm to trust in Jesus. It's one thing to believe, but now I want to trust. If you want to visit about that, I'd be happy to visit with you as well. I know Aaron would, but I just pray you'd respond today. Respond today to that, to that message of love. And what can you do to love people, people better? Would you pray with me? God, I just thank you for, for your word. And, and I thank you that, that John got, to, got a glimpse into your life. He got a, he got a glimpse because he, he walked with you. He got to hang out, hang out with you. And, and he kind of got a, got a glimpse of what, what you were really about. And he knew that you're all about love. So he recorded this, this beautiful passage and so many of us, have, we've, we've read it so many times. But God, I pray right now through the power of your spirit, maybe you would just speak something new, speak something fresh into our life. As we reread a, 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 a statement, a phrase, a, a passage that can become so mundane and, and become so numb to the words. But God, I pray today that it would just be, be something new, that you would just, just burn a fire in us. We would be reminded of the extent in which you love us. And as your word puts it, you loved, so you gave. You do what in love people do, they give. And so God, I don't know what that looks like for each one of us. I pray that we would just be givers because you are willing to give so much of us that we would give to all people. God, that barriers um, would be broken down. Maybe, maybe forgiveness needs to happen. I'm just so thankful for your love. Help us to be a people that love, that love really, really well for your name. God, we love you. Help us respond to you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.